welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm so thrilled you're here today. Today, my guest is Adam Mindler. He is the Chief Executive Officer at the Velaz Group, where he co-founded and oversees ventures across a wide variety of businesses, such as Beverly Hills Chairs, a leading office furniture retailer, custom tobacco, a -a one-of-a-kind cigar customization e-commerce platform, and Velaz Solutions, a technology consulting and software development practice. Adam is also the creator and host of the Business and Leadership Podcast, 30-Minute Mentors, where he regularly elicits insights from America's top CEOs, founders, athletes, celebrities, and political and military leaders. Uh, He has an unbelievable guest list. He uh, is an author. He's written extensively on leadership, management, entrepreneur, sales, and marketing uh, in Forbes, Inc., HuffPost, and he has a leadership series in Thrive Global. He's also a highly sought-after speaker and uh, an all-around really interesting guy who's done some interesting things, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Hang tight, and I'll be right back with Adam. I'm back, everyone, with Adam Mendler. Adam, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Carrie. Excited to be here with you. Excited to be here with your listeners. All right. So tell us about Velaz Group. How did it come to be? Yeah. So uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I was in my late 20s. I'm in my late 30s now. And I was working in corporate America and wound up leaving my career and starting the Velos Group with my brother. We named it after the street we grew up on, Velos Avenue in Tarzana, California, which is part of Los Angeles. And when we started, we had tons and tons of business ideas, probably too many business ideas to even remember at this point. But what we did was we started pushing on all of them. And after about a year and a half of pushing on all these different business ideas, we realized that that wasn't exactly a sustainable business model, but we picked the two that were closest to monetization, one being an office furniture concept. We turned that into a company called Beverly Hills Chairs. It's today the leading seller of refurbished brand name office chairs in the country. We sell Herman Miller Aeron chairs, which are the best selling office chairs at 50% off retail. We also started a company called Custom Tobacco, which is a one of a kind e-commerce platform where customers can create fully customized private label cigars in real time. And we've just been working on different businesses, you know, kind of kicking around ideas. Some of them have worked, some of them haven't, but that's the life of an entrepreneur. So what is it like to work with your brother, right? Sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, How does it work for the two of you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a whole other episode. I don't even know that we have time for that or that, uh, I mean, I'm looking at your backdrop over there and it looks like it could be a therapist's office. So, <laughs> oh um, boy, sometimes I, it I, is. I, <laughs> yeah, I could just say that working with family can be good, it can be bad. There are definitely positives, there are definitely negatives. Uh, I think that on the positive front, my brother and I have uh, very clear strengths and very clear weaknesses our strengths don't really overlap. So it's nice that this is something that I talk a lot about when I give speeches to all kinds of audiences. It's it's really important to 
understand what you do really well and to surround yourself with people who compliment you. And working with my brother, one of the real positives is that um, he and I bring very different skills and very different strengths to the table. And even with that, there are plenty of things that neither of us do well. And we try to fill out our team with people who can complement both of us. So I think in general, there are challenges when you work with family. One clear challenge is there's no real separation between work and family. Anytime you're around family, you're also bringing your work with you. So I think to anyone who's listening to this podcast and is thinking about, do I want to go into business with a sibling? Do I want to go into business with a spouse? Do I want to go into business with a parent, with a son, with a daughter? It's something you really need to ask yourself. And it's something that I think people often overlook. It is very hard to separate family from business when you're working with family. And so looking back, uh, when you two started this, uh, this adventure, adventure, I should say, uh, would you do anything differently? I would do so many things differently. I say all the time that people who say they have no regrets are either lying or are intellectually dishonest because it's impossible to have no regrets. How could you live life with no regrets? I could tell you a hundred regrets that I have. And I told you one right off the bat, which is that we started our business really not knowing what we were doing. We made a huge mistake by pushing on all these different business ideas. When in reality, to be successful, you need to focus, you need to concentrate. You can't be pulled in a hundred different directions. You have to be as, I mean, I'll use the word again, as focused as possible. And without that focus, you're going to really struggle. And we struggled. We had a lot of fun. It was an exciting time. We had the time of our lives pushing on all these really cool and innovative projects, but it was only so cool when you ran out of money a year and a half into your business. At that point, you have to figure out how do I keep the lights on? How do I sustainably run a company? And you have to develop the discipline to do that. And I'll say it again, it starts and it ends with focus. So I was curious about that. With having three distinct companies under Novella's group um, a conglomerate, how do you choose what to focus on uh, as you're running those three different businesses? Well, every day you're focusing on something different. I think the most important thing you can do is bring good people in around you so that you have extension of yourself. At the end of the day, if you're the person who's running every single business and you're the person who's making every single decision, I mean, you're the person doing everything, you're the bottleneck. Things are never going to be able to grow, never going to be able to scale. Things are never going to be able to get beyond you. So for any one of our businesses, let alone for all three of our businesses, to have any kind of success, it starts with people well beyond me. So our businesses have people who are running the day-to-day -day operations and those people are not Adam Mindler. What I do is I try to support the people who are operating the day-to-day -day of each of those businesses. I try to provide as much help as I can. As a leader, something that's really important to me is 
being there for everyone on my team, being a resource, asking and asking in an authentic way, how can I help you? What can I do to be a resource? What can I do that you might not be able to do? And in addition to asking, trying to observe and trying to figure out where can I come in and add value? What are things that I can do that it might take one of my employees 10 times as long to do? So whether it's picking up the phone and making a call, whether it's developing strategy for a particular project, whether it's running an errand, uh, there's nothing beneath you as a leader. There's nothing beneath you regardless of where you are in an organization, certainly nothing beneath you when you're an entrepreneur. And with all that said, I think it's critical just to reinforce that initial point to empower those around you so that your organization is filled with people who are capable of making decisions, capable of getting things done, capable of stepping up to the plate. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that to get people to do that, to inspire people to do that, they have to really understand, right? What's the vision of the company and and how is the work that I do tied to executing the strategy to achieve that vision? So how do you work with your employees to really make sure that they understand exactly where you know, the company that they're working within is going. So they do feel empowered to make those decisions and, and, and really step up and act when needed. Communication is key. As a leader, you have to be committed to communicating at all times. And something that I spoke quite a bit about during the heat of the pandemic, how to lead in times of crisis, how to lead in times of uncertainty and change. And one of the most important things leaders need to do in times of crisis, uncertainty, and change is communicate. But the reality is leaders need to continually communicate at all times, in times good, in times bad, and in times in between. And whether you're someone who's senior in your organization or whether you're someone who's just starting out, you could be an unpaid intern, without the right communication from the top, you're not going to be empowered. You're not going to feel like you understand where to go, which direction to go in. So to set the tone, to establish clarity, to give everyone on your team a very strong sense as to where to take things, you have to have an open line of communication and you have to lead by example. You have to be the communicator in chief. Your door always has to be open. You can't be unreachable. So I, I try to be as accessible as possible. And so how have you learned this lesson? Have you made communication mistakes? Like, you know, maybe share a blunder that you made that was like, oh, I never want to do that again. Well, you and I can, can spend uh, a lifetime on all the mistakes that I've made in my life. But fortunately, communication has been a strength for me. So it hasn't really been an area where I look back and say, I, I've learned a lot from communication failures. Sometimes I over-communicate. Like one of the, the mistakes that, that I've made in communicating um, is maybe being like too flippant about what I'm saying, especially earlier in my leadership journey was you know, I could be making a joke or say something offhand and not necessarily realize the impact it was going to make. Like okay, well, she just said that. So maybe she wants me to go make a decision. And that was probably one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is 
be more thoughtful in every single word that comes out of my mouth because my employees are really trying to read meaning into everything that I say and everything that I do. And so, you know, it comes like with it an added weight of responsibility when it's not just about communicating the plan, where we're going, being transparent, but really how you say and the fact that you're always on. I mean, do you experience that too? Totally. Look, yeah. as a leader, your words matter. And I would be lying to you if I said that I don't have any regrets in terms of words that I said in my life. We all fail. And if you're not failing, you're not trying. But when you make a mistake, step number one, acknowledge it. Don't pretend like it never happened. We're human. We're going to fail. We're going to screw up. So when it happens, just own up to it. And yeah, we make mistakes. So have I said things that I wish I didn't say? Sure. So you learn from it. Don't make the same mistake twice. Acknowledge it, learn from it, don't repeat it. And that's how you grow. That's how you develop. That's how you become a better leader. Yeah, I know this whole idea of perfectionism, the perfect leader, the perfect person, right? It's such a false utopia. I mean, we're, that's why we're put on this earth, right? Is to make mistakes and learn and to grow, uh, hopefully into better human beings. Um, although that doesn't always happen. And um, I never look back at any of the great things that have happened and say, oh, I learned so much from that. It's always been the lesson, the gift in really screwing up. And so, you know, I, I work with my son, trying to teach my son this and my, work with my employees the same way is to say, don't be afraid of making a mistake, right? Like what you said, making a mistake means that you're trying, you're putting yourself out there, you're pushing those boundaries a little bit. And if you make a mistake, that's how you really learn. So embrace it, get rid of the idea of perfectionism and embrace making mistakes because it will make you such a, a better person, a stronger person in the long run. Couldn't agree more. Perfect is the enemy of the good. And yeah. don't chase perfection, chase being the best version of yourself. And the best version of yourself is not a perfect person. There yeah. is no perfect person out there. All right, so let's talk a little bit about culture. Uh, so I know you talk a lot about winning a building culture and what makes a winning culture. How do you go about building culture amongst the, the different companies within your portfolio? And are they similar? Are they different? What does that look like? It starts with the people on your team. With every bad person you hire, with every wrong hire, with every person you bring in who doesn't fit your culture, you really run the risk of blowing up your entire culture. Now, on the flip side, with every person who you hire who is an additive to your culture, you're doing a great thing. You're uplifting your entire organization. And when you're looking to hire people, understand, are these people the kind of people who will fit well within your environment? And don't necessarily focus on the people who have the best credentials. Don't necessarily focus on the people who have the highest IQs, focus on the people who fit best within your team, who fit best within your organization, who fit best within the way that you and the people around you work. And it makes all the difference in the world. So now that you hire great people, now, you know, how do you focus on culture, right? Because you have to obviously pull all those people together and really create, try to create something that's unique. So, you know, what do you do to, to build that culture once you have the right people on your team? Yeah, great question. 
I can tell you our experience, which is that I learned a lot from my experiences working in corporate America. I learned what I thought worked. I learned what I thought didn't work. Um, I tried to create an environment within the Velos group that I thought would resonate with people. I tried to create a culture that was very clear. I would say that the best way to describe it is no stupid rules. The rules that we do have, um, there aren't that many of them, but the rules are essentially show up, do your job, perform, work hard, and treat others with respect. Be nice, be a good human being. And beyond that, there's really not a whole lot. So I, I know that there's a lot written about the importance of seating your office with ping pong tables, with beer on tap, with kombucha, with masseuses who come in, with yoga classes. That stuff is all great. But to me, that isn't what makes a culture. To me, that isn't the core of it. The core of it is your people. The core of it is your philosophy. The core of it is how you treat others. The core of it is what you value as an organization. Companies, every company has a mission statement. Every company has a set of values. But do you really live your values? Is your mission statement really your mission? How closely aligned is what you say to what you do? We're an employee-owned company. And so I think that part about really making sure that it's clearly defined is so important. As we were growing quickly and bringing new people on, we realized that there's so much tribal knowledge about what it takes to be successful within it, within the culture. And so we spent a lot of time developing what we call the own it mindset, which has that, how, be a great teammate, right? How are you showing up to others? Practice self-leadership. How are you showing up for yourself? And then delivering upon the Stone Age Assurance promise, which is a promise to our customers. And that going through that exercise was so incredibly powerful and has single-handedly done more to shape uh, our culture and, and I think really improve upon it, develop it further, because everybody has this this set of attributes and behaviors knowing like, okay, this is how I need to show up today. This is how I need to show up tomorrow. And if it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. It doesn't have to, it's not going to with everybody, but then this might not be the right company for you because this is how we behave towards each other and towards our customers. And I think that, you know, as it's really been ingrained over the last several years has helped our culture become so much stronger. It's been like our guiding light through you know, encryption attack and 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 COVID. It's so important to to really document that and make sure that everybody understands like what it actually means to be successful in this culture. I, I think you make a really important point, which is that in some organizations it can be extremely helpful to document what are your core values, what is your yeah. mission statement. And if you go on our website, it's laid out. But the reality is no one needs to read our website to know what our values are. No one needs to read our website to know what our mission is. You just need to walk in and start talking to people. And you talk to any employee and they'll tell you the same two, three, four things, which is you need to be a self-starter to be successful. You need to be team-oriented to be successful. The leadership and management style at our company is very hands-off. We're not micromanagers. We believe in empowering people. At the same time, on the one hand, 
you have empowerment. On the other hand, you have accountability. You, you have to get your job done. You have to be good at what you do. You know, we don't expect people to come in on day one and be experts. We do expect people to come in and work hard to try to figure things out if they don't know, to ask for help, to be open to learn. In order to be successful, you have to have a growth mindset. Whether you're a CEO or whether you're an intern, you want to get better every day. You want to get better every month. You want to get better every year. And the only way you're going to get better is if you're open to getting better, if you're open to learning, if you're open to growing. And if you think you have all the answers, if you think that your way is the right way, period, and you're not open to input from others, then you're never going to be able to get there. So we try to find people who are looking to develop, looking to grow, looking to become the best version of themselves. And again, I think a big message of mine in general, but specifically for listeners in this conversation is you can go and you can read a mission statement. You can go and you can read values that are laid out on a website, but I've worked for companies that have that. And there's a big difference between that and going in and talking to people and asking them, what is it like here? What is this environment really like? What is this company really like? And very often there's a huge disconnect. And that's how you really know whether a company lives their values and what a company is really all about. Yeah, no, I agree. The best compliment that I that we ever get is when our customers come to or our headquarters here in Durango, Colorado, which is a beautiful place to come. And they walk through and everybody is talking about their jobs and there's so much sense of pride in what they do and, and wanting to share you know, their part of getting product to our customers. And when that customer, this has happened, oh God, almost over a hundred times uh, uh, in recent years, can I get a job here? I really want to work here. And that right there, <laughs> like, you know, okay, like it, it, it is, it's coming through when your customers come there and see like that employee experience, that customer yeah. experience are so intertwined and they don't just want to use your products and services, but they want to actually work for you. Like that's such an attestment to uh, building a great culture and yeah, you can't fake that. That's real. Yeah. In our case, our customers, we, our business is primarily e-commerce. So yeah. we don't necessarily physically hang out with our customers all the time. With that said, we do have, uh, some office hours for customers where in our office, we open it up to customers who want to buy office chairs. And, um, our observation is that when customers come in, they like hanging out. So they don't ask us to hire them, but they do enjoy hanging out with us. So that's kind of been our little observation. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. You you want to, you want to spend time with people who you actually like. So (laughs) I think that's great. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about um, your other passions, speaking and writing. You have Oh gosh, I don't know, hundreds of, of, of articles that are out there that I could see. Um, so how do you balance it all, right? Running this, these companies and then this robust speaking and writing career. It's challenging. If I said it was easy, I would be lying to you. So I think the first thing is just being honest that it's definitely a challenge to 
get everything done in the limited amount of time that there is in a day, a limited amount of time that there is in a week. It would be nice if there was more time, but that's one of the things I can't control. I can only control how much time there is and trying to make the most of it. And that's one of the things that I try to do is to just try to be as productive as I can every day. So I try my hardest to get a good night's sleep. I try to eat right. I try to work out just about every day. I try to take care of the things that allow me to be productive in the time that I do have. And then during my working hours, which are pretty long, I, I try to stay focused. I try to stay productive. And if I'm working on one of my entrepreneurial ventures, I try to be locked in and productive in that. But whatever you're going to take on in your life, only take it on if you're willing to give it your all. When did you find out, like, when did you learn that speaking and writing was part of your passion and part of your career path, part of your leadership journey? Well, I've, I've always loved speaking. I've always been passionate about leadership and I've enjoyed writing. I kind of stumbled into writing articles in these different publications probably about four or five years ago. Time flies, so it's hard to have an exact handle on things. Especially during COVID, I feel like is a COVID, is a COVID year like a dog year? I don't know how that works. But all I know is I look at the clock and all of a sudden I'm two years older, which I don't really like. But I, I really stumbled into my writing, if you want to call it career. But I've always loved writing. When I was in college, I enjoyed writing. I was a business major, but I was also a political science major. And I just enjoyed putting pen to paper. When you uncover something that you enjoy, when you uncover something that you not only enjoy, but are good at, and when you start doing it and people tell you you're good at it, it, it just reinforces it. So I just started going with it. And next thing you know, here we are. So when I was deciding when to go to college, I'm a little bit older than you, but I was debating between engineering school and journalism school. And my dad told me I wasn't smart enough to graduate from engineering school. So that's still the deal. I went to engineering school and I now I'm full circle and writing is my passion. I love to write. And I was done with my first book. And it's so funny to like think about that full circle, right? Of I went into college for, for one thing, thinking I was going to go down this path, admit that I wasn't going to go down the writing path to prove my dad wrong and here full circle. It's, it's <laughs> my passion and I'm doing it every single day. <laughs> and it's so hard, you know, writing. I mean, it's the most creative outlet that I have. But when you're writing, I run two companies myself, and then I speak out of my podcasts, and then I have all of these writing, these things that I want to write, things that I want to say. It's an interesting kind of place to be in trying to balance it all. That's why I asked you about it, because I feel like um, we have that, we have similar paths, so to speak. And I would be interested in hearing your answer. Just to reiterate, my answer is there's no easy way to do it. You just have to be honest about the fact that anything you do, you need to be committed to going all in and doing and give your best, try to do it well, try to focus on the task at hand and you will get sidetracked. You will get distracted, but don't give up. Don't get dissuaded. And another important point is the real emphasis uh, for anyone listening on being goal oriented, set clear goals. 
And when you do, you're going to be a lot more likely to reach them. In my case, before I had a podcast, I had a vision for a podcast. And I said to myself, for many, for probably years, this is what I want to do. This is the kind of podcast I'm going to have. I, I had done hundreds of interviews before I had a podcast. They were they're written interviews. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my podcast. And I had the concept and knew who I was going to have on and everything. But as we've discussed, there's only so much time of the day. We're pulled in so many different directions. But at a certain point, I said to myself, I'm going to launch the podcast by this date. I gave myself a date. I said, January 2020, the podcast will be launched, period. 30-Minute Mentors, January 2020, it will be launched then, period. And I started doing interviews November of 2019, and January 2020 was launched. My first three guests were the CEO of Deloitte Consulting, the founder of Kayak and Suzanne Summers, and just been off and running and been charging hard ever since. So let's talk a little bit about speaking. What's your favorite topic to speak on? I love talking about leadership. Most of the talks I give in some way or another touch upon leadership. I love giving audiences lessons that I've learned from America's top leaders and doing my best to try to inspire audiences to become the best versions of themselves and the best leaders that they could possibly be. Yeah. And what advice do you have for leaders who are looking to, to break into public speaking? Like, how did you go about doing it? Get started. Huh. Just go and do it. Speak to anyone. Go and talk to anyone that's going to be willing to listen to you. In anything you do, the more you do something, the better you'll get at it. I was just over the weekend listening to my old podcasts. And, you know, I was so proud of my early episodes and now I can't even listen to them because I feel like the quality is just going to better with each episode. Maybe people listening to this podcast will listen to mine and listen to the first ones and not be as negative toward them as I am. But the reality is that whenever you do something, you get better at it. So if you're interested in being a podcaster, yeah, your first five episodes are not going to be as good as your next five. And your next 10 are going to be better than your previous 10. And when you're a public speaker, the first talk you give isn't going to be as good as your fifth talk or your 10th talk is, isn't going to be good as good as your hunter's talk. So you just go on and start doing it. Yeah, practice, 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 practice. That is my mantra. Like everything that we're doing today is practice for what's coming tomorrow, right? So whether that's trying to get better at something or just being a better leader to handle the crazy volatility that we're going to have to deal with that's thrown at us on a given day. I think if we all just have that mindset that I'm just practicing and the better, the, you know, I'll get better every time I put in that little bit of work or put in a lot of work, um, it all comes down to being really good at practicing. Yeah. And I think that it's an interesting topic because I think that for some of us, we can just go and practice and, and put the work in. And for others of us, we need to go out and, and actually simulate the experience. And there, to me, there's no experience that matches doing. So yes, there's value to going and rehearsing the talk and it's important to be extremely prepared, but at the same time, just going and doing it and practice by doing 
practice by exactly. going and making mistakes and falling and getting back up. And, you know, that's how you get better. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the key that doing is practice, right? Every time I go on stage to speak, even though I'm ready for it, it still is practice for the next time I'm going to be up there. And I really like that. You're doing is practice. Every game that you go out to try to win as part of a team, you know, even though you're actually playing the game, you're still practicing those skills and practicing what winning is like. So I'm a big believer of it, that that doing is a big part of your 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 practice regimen, so to speak. It's all about getting those ten thousand hours. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, I have a couple more questions. I want to wrap things up. The name of this podcast is Reflect Forward, which has lots of different meanings. I'm curious, what does Reflect Forward mean to you? It marries two really important concepts. I think it's critical for leaders to be reflective. I give a talk on the seven core principles of effective leadership, the seven core characteristics, the seven core traits. What does every leader need to have? Not skills, but characteristics. And the first one, the thing that I start with is self-awareness. Before you can effectively lead others, you need to be able to lead your own life. And in, in terms of point number one, reflect. It's all about reflection. It's never too early and it's never too late to get on that journey, the journey of self-discovery, the journey to become your best self, the journey to become the best leader you can be. But the journey starts with reflection. So that's 50% of it. The other 50% is going forward. How do we go forward? And that's a question that I ask on my podcast. How do you develop a winning mindset? And it all starts with a commitment to pushing forward every single day. When I wake up in the morning, I want to be successful. Today is going to be a good day. I'm going to win today at whatever it is I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to win in business. I'm going to try to win in life. I'm going to try to win, period. And when I say win, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to win and someone else is going to lose. It means that I'm going to win in the competition against myself. I'm going to be the best version of myself today. So how do you reflect forward? You get started on that journey. And by getting started and be committed to pushing forward, you're going to be as likely as you can to becoming your best self. Great answer. Thank you. All right. And if you had one piece of an advice for our leaders looking to be exceptional at what they do, what would it be? I'm a big believer that most people in life are bad at most things. I personally am bad at too many things to list. The list is endless. And we all have that one thing that makes us special. We all have that one thing that makes us unique, that makes us different. It's our superpower. And the more quickly you can figure out what it is that makes you unique, what it is that makes you different, what it is that makes you special, the more successful you'll be in life, the more successful you'll be in business, the more successful you'll be as a leader. So to anyone listening to this podcast, get started. Get started on that journey. Get started on the journey of self-discovery. Start understanding what is it about me that makes me different? What is it about me that makes me unique? What is my superpower? 
Because once you understand that, you're on the path to becoming as successful as you could possibly be. That's such good advice. Sometimes it's just one small step. That's all you need to take. But get started. I love it. All right. So how can people find you? Try to make it as easy as possible. So it's just my name, Adam Mendler. So anyone can find me on my website, adammendler.com. can find me on social media, at Adam Mendler. That's at Adam Mendler on Instagram, at Adam Mendler on Twitter. My podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, all spelled out. The word 30 Minute Mentors is available at 30minutementors.com. And at every podcasting app, so however you're listening to this great podcast, 30 Minute Mentors. And I look forward to connecting with anyone interested in connecting. And Carrie, this was an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for the fun conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on and sharing some of your philosophy. Uh, It's been a very inspiring conversation. So I appreciate it very, very much. And uh, with that, we'll wrap up and everybody just hang tight and I'll be right back. All right. I'm back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed meeting Adam. What a fun guy. All right. With that, I'm going to leave you. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to hosting you on next week's episode of Advice from the CEO on Reflect Forward. Take care.